Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 19. We're continuing, of course, our study. We're seeing the lives of David and Saul and Jonathan. And we're seeing, really, uh, when, when you think about events, when you think about trials and problems and issues, that, that's when the character of a person comes out. And we've been seeing sort of a big contrast between Saul, who is a man of flesh, and a selfish type man, and I mean, he's uh, jealous, and he's angry, and he wants, he's a prideful man, and he wants to have things for himself. And then there's David, who is a younger man, much younger, uh, a heart for God, and and wants to live for for God. And this morning, we're going to see the exile. David is now fixing to be on the run. He's been working with Saul. He's, he's killed Goliath. He's done all the great things. And Saul tried to kill him one time, and then they look like they're going to come back together, and then something bad happens again today. And so David's going to be on the run. And the rest of the book, all the way to uh, the end of 1 Samuel, David's going to be on the run from Saul. And what did he do? Nothing. Nothing. In fact, when we look at this, we see Saul is so jealous of David, <clears throat> and he seeks to put David to death. And this passage will help us to see some things. Look, when you, what are you putting in your mind? What are you putting in your brain? What are you thinking? If you're living a life of anger and jealousy, and that'll eventually come out. And if you're living a life in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that will come out. And what we realize is that trials reveal our character, and we'll see it as we go through our passage uh, at this morning, and we'll see that kind of thing. You know, it, it's been said that, that when the trials and problems come, that's going to tell a lot about what's going on. And, and we can say this, it's really easy to live for God when everything's great. Things are going good, we say, you know, God, life is great. And then sometimes things happen, sometimes bad things happen. And the book of James says, it can it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience and causes you to trust God. Well, this morning, we're going to continue to get a good look at, really, David and Saul and what's going on. And, and when you think about it, Saul is jealous of David. Now, in case, if you hadn't been here, Saul is the king of Israel. He was picked as the king of Israel. God was using him. He turned away from God. He rejected God. He's not done what God wanted to do. So God actually took the power of the Holy Spirit away from him. It has nothing to do with salvation. Took the power of the Holy Spirit. Gave the power of the Holy Spirit to David. Anointed David as probably a 15-year-old boy as the next king of Israel. And now David is working with Saul. But David's not the king yet. David knows he's going to be the king one day. Saul may or may not know that, but Saul hates David anyway. Saul wants to kill him, and Saul is jealous of him. Saul is that kind of person. When you look at Saul and you look at Saul's character, we say, gosh, he he started off so good, and now he's so bad. And, And so we look at that, and we see what kind of person Saul really is. And then as we look at this, though, we see that David, David trusts God. And David does not seek revenge. We talked about it last week. It is so easy when somebody does us wrong, somebody's trying to hurt us, somebody does something. We, we tend to want to get them back. But the Bible says never return evil with evil, return evil with good, leave vengeance to the Lord. And that's what David does. As a young boy, that's what David does. And we see some great things there as David, how, how David does it. So we're going to see that, that from this, uh, we see the character aspect of it. Now let me remind you, David's already killed Goliath. He's already working for Saul. The Holy Spirit's left Saul and come upon David. And, and let's think about Saul's character for just a second. We know that Saul made a promise. Whoever killed Goliath would be wealthy, no taxes, and get to marry one of his daughters. Well, the best we can find out that David never got any money. 
David never got any money, so Saul went back on that. We don't know if Saul actually did anything with the taxes. We know that Saul was going to have David marry his first daughter, Mareb, and when it came time, he married her off to somebody else, so David didn't get her. We saw last time that Michael, which is one of Saul's other daughters, loved David, and so Saul said, okay, I'll let David marry my other daughter, Michael, but he had a plan. He told David he had to kill 100 Philistines in order to get to marry his daughter. Why? Because David had no money. And so David went and killed 200 Philistines. And so now David is married to Saul's daughter. Now let us think about it. You could say, well, things should be all right now. If Saul has his own daughter married to David, you would think that they would, that would, things would be fine, but it's not going to be fine. Let me read something to you. This is what we ended with last week. Look at 1 Samuel 18. Look at verse 28. It says this, When Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, then Saul was even more afraid of David. Thus Saul was David's enemy continually. And so what we see is that Saul wants to kill David. He's, he considers David an enemy. And let's raise this question. What had David ever done to Saul? Absolutely nothing. And sometime in your life, there are going to be people that aren't going to like you. And they're going to be against you. And you could even say something like this. What did I ever do to them? And the answer is nothing. You've never done anything. That's what happens sometimes. And so we see that. Look how the, the chapter ends, verse 30. Then the, when the commanders of the Philistines went out to battle, it happened as often as they went out. David behaved himself more wisely than all the other servants of Saul. In other words, David was great. And so I want you to see how this ends at verse 30. It says, so his name was highly esteemed. So as we get ready to go into chapter 19, Saul is jealous of David. Saul wants to kill David. David is highly esteemed. Everybody says David is the greatest. Now, let me give you the outline of the passage, what we're going to see today. And we'll go fairly quickly through it. But I want you to see this. <clears throat> it seems a little strange because it starts off <clears throat> by Saul and David reconcile. We go, okay, that's good. Then the next part says Saul tries to kill David. You go, what? I thought they just reconciled. They did but they didn't. Saul hates him and he wants to kill him and he tries to kill him. And so then we see David's home is surrounded and then we see David flees to Samuel. So this starts the running away and we're going to see this. So let's look at chapter 19. Look at verse one. Now Saul told Jonathan, his son, and all his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. Now, th this is weird because he actually says, I want to kill David. So Saul goes to Jonathan, his son, who is David's best friend, and says, I want you to kill David. He goes to his ser other servant and says, when you get the chance, I want you to kill David. Well, you know, you immediately Jonathan's going to go, wait a minute, you can't kill David. David is my friend. He's, he's the closest one. He's a hero. He is everything. And what we can see is Saul is acting out what he really is. Saul hates David, Saul is jealous of David, and, and think about this, whatever we think about, whatever we put in our minds, that's what's coming out, and let me tell you, if we've got anger and bitterness, hatred and jealousy, that's what's going to come out in our lives. Now, if we've got the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, that's what's going to come out in our lives. And right now, Saul hates David, and what does he say? Let's put him to death. Let's kill him. 
Let's put him to death. That's why the Bible talks about putting the good things. That's why the Bible says whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is good, think on these things. That's why I think Psalm 119 is so important when it says, God, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We're to take God's word and put it in our brains. And the more we put our word, the word in our brain, the more we memorize it, the more we study it, the more we see it, that's what's going to be coming out in our lives. Well, what's Jonathan going to do? If you were Jonathan and you're David's best friend and your dad says, let's kill David, you're going to go find David and you're going to say, David, you better room for your life. So watch what happens. Verse 2. Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeking to put you to death. Now, therefore, please be on guard in the morning and stay in a secret place and hide yourself. Now, let me tell you what's going on. What do you mean a secret place? Well, Apparently what we find out, there's a big field, and in that field there's some rocks, or big stones and things, and that's sort of a hiding place. David and Jonathan know about that hiding place. In fact, they use it. They're going to use it. So Jonathan says to David, go get in the secret place. I'll come out with my father to the field. I'll find out what he's trying to do. We know he wants to try to kill you. And then I'll, whatever I find out, I'll let you know. And we're going to see that this secret place is a place that Jonathan and David knew about, and they're going to use it later. We'll see it as we get further into, uh, into the book of uh, 1 Samuel, so we'll see more about it. So watch what happens. He says in verse 3, I'll go out and stand by, with my father in the field where you are. You're in the hiding place. I'll speak with my father about you, and, and, and if I find out anything, I'll let you know. He says, I'll let you know whatever I find out. Well, what do you think Jonathan's going to do? He's going to go talk to his father. He doesn't want David killed, so watch. Verse 4, then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, don't let, don't let the king sin against his servant David, since he's not sinned against you, and since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. He says, listen, Dad, don't kill David. David's done nothing wrong. David's been great. He, he has been a servant. He has not sinned against you. He's not done anything wrong. Look down at verse 5. For he took his life in his hand and struck the Philistine. He killed Goliath. And the Lord brought about a great victory for us, a deliverance. You saw it. You rejoiced when it happened. Why now? Why then will you sin against innocent blood? He's not done anything wrong by putting David to death without a cause. You know what he says? He says, look, David's been good for you. He killed Goliath. He's brought about great victory. Why would you kill him? In fact, think about this. He says, David has not sinned. He's done good works. He's killed a Philistine. He's brought a victory. He's innocent blood. Why would you kill him? Well, look at the answer, and it's not what you expect. Watch. Look at the next verse. Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan, and Saul vowed, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Now, that's not exactly what you expected. He makes a vow. He makes a vow that David will not be put to death. Now, let's talk a minute about a vow. A vow is something that you promise to do. The Bible really says that when you make a vow, you should keep the vow. In fact, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't even have to swear. You don't have to say, I swear. You just say, I'll do that. And if you say you're going to do it, you ought to do it. Jonathan says to his dad, don't kill David. And he says, okay, I vow as the Lord lives. It's a vow. My question is, was this vow to God or was it to Jonathan? Because so, you can see Saul in his own mind saying, I'll make a vow to Jonathan, I won't kill him, but I'm not making a vow to God, I will kill him. See, Jonathan uh, is thinking, wow, my father's going to be okay, but he's, gonna, he's not going to kill David. But you can see Saul 
thinking, listen, I don't care what I say. I hate him. He's trying to take the kingdom from me. I'm jealous of him. If I get the chance, I'm going to kill him, no matter what I've said. Well, you know, it's really really a, a true statement, and that is, listen, if you make a vow, you ought to keep a vow. Whatever you say, you should do. When I think of David's life, <clears throat> think about this man. At this stage, he may be 20 years old. Maybe, maybe not. He still may be 16, 17, 18. We don't even know. We know he is very young. From the time he got anointed as king to the time that he became king was at least 15 years. And the Bible tells us he was 30 years old when he became king. So he got anointed <clears throat> probably when he was 15. So he's a young man. I want you to understand that Jonathan is not the same age as David. Jonathan's probably in his 30s. And Saul is probably in his 50s, maybe older. So these aren't young people except David. David's the young one. And Jonathan says, what do you think, Dad? And he says, as I swear, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Let me just say something about us. When you make a vow, keep your word. When we're careful, be careful when you make a vow or a promise. Our word should be it. If we say it, we should do it. We need to be men and women of character. If we say, I will do this, we should do it. And sometimes we say, well, I'll be glad to help there. And then we never help. We never do something. Or we say, oh, look, I'll be there. Don't worry. And then you don't show up. And somebody says, you didn't show up. And you say, oh, something came up. Oh, it was your word that you didn't keep. And so what we should do is when we say we're going to do something, we should do it. Well, watch what happens. Then Jonathan called David. And Jonathan told him these words. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as formerly. So he brought David back because David had gotten scared because Saul had already tried to kill him once. And so he says, my dad says he's not going to kill you. Everything's going to be fine. So he brings him, and they come. And so we could stop and say, well, everything's going to be okay. Look at verse 8. Now, then there was war again. David went out and fought with the Philistines and defeated them with a great slaughter. So they fled before him. Now, once again... David is famous. David is becoming a hero again. So watch what happens, verse 9. Now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in his house with a spear in his hand, and David was playing the harp with his hand. Now we've talked about this, about this evil spirit from the Lord. Nobody knows exactly what that is. It could be that God allows a demonic force or a demonic spirit to affect Saul. It could be he just lets Saul's own mental dis- disstability, his, his mess up, his mind is all confused. God just may allow that be happening. I guess if I had to choose, I'd say that God was allowing even some demonic stuff to affect him. And he goes, kind of goes off the deep end. And we know that David comes in and plays music to kind of calm him down. And so it says here that uh, evil spirit from the Lord was on Saul and he was sitting in his house and he had a spear in his hand and David was playing the harp with his hand. David was doing that and uh, hopefully to calm him down. But look what happened. Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence so that he stuck the spear into the wall and David fled and escaped that night. So right in the middle of all this, now we could say, Hey, I thought you said you weren't going to try to kill him. But you tried to kill him. Can you imagine being David and he throws that spear and you get out of the way and it hits the wall and just sticks in the wall and you run and you run. And this is at nighttime, so he's going to go run to his house. He's going to go run to where Michael is. 
And, and we can see plainly that what is coming out, Saul hates David, his mind and now his actions, all of that's coming out and he tries to pin David to the wall. Now, by the way, David runs right here. He'll be running to the rest of the book. He's going to be running all the way to the end. And Saul breaks his vow. Saul's hatred comes out. Now, just remember this. David is going to be the next king. And let me, let me tell you something. Do you think Saul's going to be able to kill David? What's the answer? No, because God's anointed David. David's going to be the king. David knows that. David trusts God. Listen, if it was a natural thing, we'd say, listen, if that guy's trying to kill me, I'm going to get hide somewhere, and he comes by, I'm going to kill him because he's trying to kill me. But that's not what David does. David basically, we'll see it all the way through the book. David says, I will never touch the Lord's anointed. I will let it all be in God's perfect plan. Sometimes we get... We get kind of ahead of ourselves. Like we'll say, God, I want this to happen now. And we say, why isn't it happening now? Why is this time going by? And because God says, you're not ready yet. You could look at this and you say, why isn't David the king now? Why doesn't God just get rid of Saul because he's bad and put David as the king right now because he's good? You know why? David's not ready. David may think he's ready. We may think he's ready, but God says he's not ready. There's things he's got to go through. And in your life and in my life, we say, I wonder why this doesn't happen right now. Why hadn't God done this right now? Why isn't this working out this way? This is what I really want. You know why? It's not time yet. God's working in your life. God's working in our lives, getting us to the place where he's going to use us the way he chooses to use us. David is on the run from Saul. Now, I want you to see God's protection God's protection of David. Look at verse 11. It says, Then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him in order to put him to death in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be put to death. So David goes home, and Saul sends a bunch of men, some messengers as they call, and they're surrounding the house, and they say, When he comes out in the morning, we will kill him. That's the plan. Now Michael says, Wait a minute, honey, you better get out of here. If you, if you stay here till the morning and you go out, they'll kill you. You better get out of here tonight. Look what she says. You, 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 if you've got to save your life tonight because tomorrow you're going to be dead. So well, look at the protection. Watch what happens. So Michael lets David down through a window and he went out and fled and escaped. So he got away. It was nighttime so they couldn't see him. They didn't see him and he slipped out and he went. And we'll show you where he went in just a few minutes. But you may not know this, but when this happened, this is when David wrote Psalm 59. And we're going to look at Psalm 59 in just a minute. I want to show you what he wrote. This is the psalm he wrote when this was happening in his life. We're studying both the Psalms and the Proverbs in our grow group, just a real short study for the summer. And we look at it, we call it wisdom literature, we call it praise aspect. But the Psalms and the Proverbs have incredible truths in them. And a lot of times when you read a psalm, it'll give you a little subscription that'll say, David wrote this when he did this. And so we'll see this in just a few minutes. What did David write when he was running from Saul at this particular event? Well, look what she does. Now, this is going to surprise you, okay? So she lets him out the window, and then it says, Michael took the household idol, laid it on the bed, put a quilt of goat's hair at his head, and covered it with clothes. She took an idol, and you can go, an idol? What do they have an idol for? What's an idol? Well, most we can understand, some of the idols were like small, 
little things, maybe, maybe look like a woman, look like a goddess, who knows? And then some of them were bigger. We, t- we don't know what she had, but it was called a household idol. She put it in the bed, covered it up, put some goats there, there, put some big things, and she says, that sort of looks like somebody laying in the bed. She says, uh, they'll think David's in the bed. Now, let's raise a question. Who, what are these household idols? Many families, even at this time, had these idols that were supposed to help them get pregnant. They were supposed to help them with, with having babies, and so they would have them. If you remember, when Rachel and Jacob, when they left her family, she stole her father's household idols, and she hid them in, in her, her little the seat thing. And so uh, the, people have these things. Now, uh, we, we would probably say, Michael, you don't need that. You got the true God. Anyway, she covered him up, and uh, so it looks like somebody's laying in the bed. When Saul sent messengers to take David, she said he's sick. They came to the house that morning, and they said, tell David to come out. Uh, Saul wants to see him. She comes and says, ah, he's sick. Yeah, right. He didn't seem to be sick last night, was he? So, So what happened? Then Saul sent messengers to David, bring him up to me on the bed that I may put him to death. She said, okay, if he's sick in the bed, go in there, pick the bed up, bring it back, bring it out to me, I'm going to kill him in his bed. That's what I'm going to do. When the messengers entered, behold, the household idol was on the bed with the quilt of goat's hair at his head. You can see him coming in and going, hey, get up, get up. You... They look over at Michael, she goes, <laughs> right? I, I don't know. You know, anyway, so uh, they, they find he's not there. So watch what happens. So Saul said to Michael, now let me tell you, remember what we said a while ago? That whenever the pressure comes, that's when your character comes out. We've already seen the pressures on Saul. A lot of people say, oh, Saul's got it made. He didn't have it made. He knows that he's been rejected by God. He knows the Holy Spirit's gone from him. He already has an idea that David's going to be the next king. He sees that people aren't following him. He sees people are following David. He's having a bad time. He's got pressure on him. And look at his character. Hate, jealousy, and anger. Now look at Michael. She's his wife. Look what's going to happen. Saul said to Michael, verse 17, Why have you deceived me like this and let my enemy go so that he has escaped? And Michael said to Saul, he said to me, let me go. Why should I put you to death? What? When the pressure comes, what will Michael be like? Michael lied and said to Saul, what David said, he would kill me. I I had to let him go, Dad, because he said if I didn't let him go, he would kill me. What? She's lying. You know who she's just like? She's just like her daddy. We're going to see some later on stuff. You're going to see some things later on when David becomes king, what happens with him and Michael. Okay? She's lying. She wants her dad to think David threatened her, and that's the reason she let him go. She's lying. How do we respond when the pressure comes? How do we respond when the trials come and the pressure's on us? What are we going to do? What are we going to say? We're going to lie? We're going to stand strong? Are we going to live and obey God or are we going to obey the flesh? Are we going to follow what the world says to do or are we going to do what the Bible says to do? We all know that we're in a fallen world. We already know that things are getting bad to worse. We already know that they're beginning to persecute believers, even in this country. You're going to be able to stand or not stand when the time comes. That's what's going to happen. There's a time coming to stand for Jesus Christ is going to be despised in this country. 
It's already disliked now. In a 50-year time period in my lifetime, I've seen being a Christian is honored to being a Christian is despised. It's coming. Unless something changes. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to stand or not stand. Well, look what happened, verse 18. What do you think David's going to go? You know where I'd go if I was David? There's, there's a person in this, in this country that's the most respected person other than David, and that's Samuel. Samuel was the judge. Samuel was a great man. So where's David going to go? Look what it says. Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah. Now remember, Samuel is really old by now. He came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him, and he and, he and Samuel uh, went and stayed at Naoth. So he came to Samuel, and the run begins. They're gonna, he's going to be running the rest of the book. So watch what happens. Now, what, what, notice that it was told Saul, saying, David's at Naoth in Ramah. They came to him and said, if you're looking for David, we know where he is. He's with Samuel in, in Naoth at, near Ramah. Saul said, oh, good. Okay, good. I'm going to go get him. Now, I put this up while I go, but I want you to see it. God's protection on David. Now, let me tell you something. Every one of us in this room, we know Jesus, you know Jesus Christ as Savior. You're his. You're his child. He'll never leave you or what? forsake you. What do you fear of people? You don't have to be afraid. God protects us. As long as God has you on this earth, he will protect you and use you. As long as you want him to. God's protection. So watch what happens. Verse 20. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, but when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing by and presiding over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they prophesied. What in the world are we talking about? Do you understand that, that we, when we studied the lives of Elijah and Elisha, that there were things called the school of the prophets in which somebody, a leader or, or a prophet or a great person would, would train other men to be prophets or to be, to be spiritual. It'd be like a seminary. And so they've got a bunch of men there that Samuel is training. And they prophesy. And the word prophesy means several things. It could mean get direct revelation, new revelation. It could also mean to proclaim a message. That's what it means. So when they get there, they send these messengers. And when the messengers saw the prophets prophesying, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came upon these messengers and they prophesied. What? They prophesied. The Holy Spirit came upon these messengers. God stops them. He puts them under the power of the Holy Spirit. They're coming to kill David. And when they get there, all of a sudden, they start proclaiming the word of God. So what does Saul do? When he was told Saul, he sent another messengers and they prophesied. What? So Saul sent more messengers a third time and they prophesied. So every time he's sending people to get David, what happens? Holy Spirit stops him. He's never going to get David. Listen, just a secret. He's never going to get David, okay? <laughs> David's going to make it because God is the protection, and he's your protection as well. So watch what 
happens. And, and, and I think I could put this up, that God is our source of strength. He is our protection. So look at verse 22. Then he himself, Saul, went to Ramah, and he came as far as the large well that's in uh, Siku, Siku, and he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And they said, well, they, they're at Naoth and Ramah. He proceeded to Naoth and Ramah, and what in the world as Spirit of God came upon him also, so that he went along prophesying continually till he came to Naoth and Ramah. He stripped off his clothes and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay down naked all that day and all that night. So therefore people would say, is Saul also among the prophets? So Saul went to get David himself. And when he got there, he started proclaiming the word of God because the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he took off his clothes. Now, when you look at this, when it says he took off his clothes, it, it probably doesn't mean he was completely without any clothes on. It probably means he took off his king clothes, his clothes that showed who he was because when you start prophesying for God, it's not, it's not who you are, it's you're just the messenger. And so he took off his clothes. And I mean, it could be, could be with no clothes completely, but it most likely just means he took off his kingly robes, he took off his stuff that set him apart as a king. Now, I want to stop right there, and I want you to do something. I want you to turn to Psalm 59. We're going to go really quick through this, but flip over about the middle of your Bible to the book of Psalms and go to Psalm 59. <clears throat> Psalm 59, and this is the psalm that David wrote when he was running from Saul. Now watch what he says. Now, I want to show you something. If you've not ever looked at this, most of you studied the Psalms before and you've read them and things, but I want you to notice that usually they'll be like Psalm 59, and then there's a little bit of information under there, and it says something like this. For the choir director set to Al-Tahashit, a mictham of David, which Saul sent, when Saul sent men, and they watched the house in order to kill him. Now, this is Scripture. It's information. If you have a Hebrew Bible, in some Hebrew Bibles, that part right there is actually verse 1. So that was some of it was considered Scripture. Some Bibles don't put it that way. Our English Bibles don't usually put that. They put that just as an as a information, and then they start with verse 1. But this tells us this was written by David when he was running from Saul, when they sent those people at his house. And don't you think it's amazing? We're going to see some other things. We're going to see that when a group called the Ziphites, they're going to turn David over, and David writes a psalm, and we're going to look at it when we see that in David's life. So look at this psalm. We're going to look at it very, very quickly. Think about this. You are about to be killed. They've surrounded the house to get you. What would you write? Look what David writes. Psalm 59. Look at the, uh, verses 1 and 2. Look what he says. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Set me securely on a highway from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity. Save me from men of bloodshed. He says, O Lord, save me from these bad people. Save me from these bad people. Look at verse 3. Look what he says. For they have, behold, they have set an ambush for my life. Fierce men launch an attack against me. Not for my transgressions or my sin. He said, I've done nothing wrong. What was the ambush? They're waiting outside his house to get him. Look down at, at verse 9. Look what David says. Because of his strength, talking about God's strength, I will watch for you, for God is my stronghold. He says, I, I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you. Look at verse 10. My God in his loving kindness will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. Listen, the word loving kindness 
is that Hebrew word. We talked about it a number of times. It's the word H-E-S-E-D. It's pronounced chesed. It's got that rough guttural in Hebrew, chesed. It, it literally means loyal love. It means love that never changes. David says, your love, Lord, never changes. In your loving kindness, you will meet me in your loving kindness. Do you know his love never changes? We talked about this in Grow Group. If you're serving God, you're living for God, how much does he love you? 100%. If you're disobeying God in your rebellion and your sin, how much, God does, how, much love, how much does God love you? 100%. His love never changes. He loves you to the maximum all the time. He says, on account of, verse 12, on account of the sin of their mouths and the words of their lips, let them be caught in their own pride. And then he says in verse 17, I will praise you. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you for my God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. You know what we can pray? No matter what's going on, no matter what trial, no matter what issues, no matter what's happening, you can say, you are my strength and shield. I will praise you. You are my protection. I will rest in you and your strength. What a psalm. He cries out to God. He trusts the Lord and he praises the Lord. Let me give you some applications really quickly. First one is let's put God's word and truth in our mind. Because you know what puts in, whatever you put in is going to come out. Why? Because we'll live out what we put in our minds. If we have anger and jealousy and lack of forgiveness and, and, and pride and all that mess in our life, that's what's going to come out. That's the kind of character we're going to be. But if we love God and we love the fruit of the Spirit and love and joy and peace and patience, that's what's going to come out in our lives. So put the Word of God in our brains, that Philippians 4, 8, and, 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 and put God's truths in our minds. Deal with sin so that we can live in such a way because whatever we put in is going to come out. The second thing, just remember that trials are going to reveal our character. When things get tough, what are we going to be like? Look at this. When things got tough, you know what Saul did? He lied. He broke his vows. He tried to kill David. Saul was religious but sinful. Michael, what happened when it came down to it? She lied. What about David? David trusted God. Guess what? He's lost his position. He's lost his home, and he's lost his wife, and he doesn't stop trusting God. In fact, what we want to be like is be like a David. We want to be men and women after God's own heart. And that's one last thing. Let's remember God will protect us. We don't have to be afraid. He'll never leave us or forsake us. What should we fear? God, we have to, in the trials and problems of life, go to God, trust him. He is always with us. He is our strength, and praise him. David cried out to God, trusted God, praised God. When the trials come, cry out to God, trust God, praise God.